And if you text me, I'll never know because I'm up here talking and I'm, I'm in a whole nother world now. So, um, so I am going off into uh, what I do and, and um, as Greg was in his thing and, and um, he is a whole lot better at fixing that stuff than I am on the sound. I do video, he does sound. So, <clears throat> so that's the way it works. But, uh, but anyway, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8 and verses 8 through 20. So as you find that, uh, I want to mention a couple of things on our, our deacon election. Um, Rick Huddleston and Dave Klein were, were um, selected as the two men who will serve as deacons in, in those slots. So um, congratulations to, to them. And, and also, I look forward to working with them as they're a part of our leadership team for the next three weeks. They are both very, very qualified men, good men, and, and I look forward to working with them. Um, and also, with that, we're presenting a budget for 2021. It should be up on our website. If it's not already, it will be in the next few days. And, and we will have, uh, if you have questions or whatever, Robin Davis is going to set up a, a Zoom meeting for anybody who can come in and look and ask questions or whatever. So that will enable um, everyone to do that who um, <clears throat> would like. And then the other thing I want to mention, our Christmas Eve services, we're still working on getting those planned out um, as to the, the, the venue of that. So really trying to figure out for me the the big question is is how many people will come to a Christmas Eve service will we have our normal of uh, close to 300 people if so um, at, at 300 people we would meet in Cook Inlet, Inlet Academy we talked about that a while back that would give us plenty of space and spacing for everyone to not be compacted in here because at, at 300 people you can't walk down the aisles it's it's very very we're at we're at our maximum capacity um, which we rarely hit but um, <clears throat> but so so those will be a couple of things we may ask that um, if, if you're coming just to give us a heads up and say hey not not to register or anything like that but just to say hey we're trying to get an idea of, of what it's going to look like so whether we you know if we have a crowd of 100 people we can fit in here easily if it's 300 people that that's not a possibility so anyway those are some things that um, we're kind of thinking of so so uh, just a heads up on that and keep watching to see what's going to happen with it. Um, so in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, it's the story of the shepherds in the field. It's something that we're very familiar with. And as the angel comes, he announces to them good news of great joy. And I want to talk about that because that's what this season is about. It's about good news and great joy. And we all need that, right? I mean, we need some good news as we come into the end of this year and, and the things. And, and really, when we go back and we look at it, even throughout this year, um, God has been at work. God has done some amazing things. God has um, changed lives. God has given us opportunities that we never dreamed of really coming into the year. So as we come into that, um, it, it's it's really... Um, you know, I don't look at everything as, oh, this is just horrible and ho-hum or, or whatever. I really see that in, in the highs and the lows, God is always at work. He is always moving um, in the lives of his people. Even when we don't see it, he is at work and, and he is doing things. And we're going to look at that in the story today. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, Luke writes, and, it, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news 
of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So as we come up, I want to look at four things as Christmas. Christmas is a time of, first of all, of great joy. Christmas is a time of great joy. The season that we're entering into, it dates back centuries. It's, it's not something that, that has kind of built up over the last few decades. It's something that goes back centuries, and it ultimately is the celebration of the Incarnation. That's what this is. This is not, it's not what we've made it into in, into the American holiday or the global holiday with shopping and lights and festivities and everything. This is the celebration of the Incarnation. And Incarnation is a fancy word that means clothing in flesh, coming into the flesh. It means that God became a man. This is the time that we celebrate God becoming a man, God becoming one of us, God becoming flesh. It's not something that, that you just state and go on. That, that's a big deal. That is a huge thing. As, as we talk about God becoming flesh, just think about that. That is off the charts. That is beyond human comprehension. That in, in um, the first century AD, that was absolutely ludicrous to the people. That was absolutely something that could not happen in the Roman world. It, it was a laughing thing to even hear, to consider. And that's what God did. When the angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger this was an answer to centuries of prayer. This was a prayer of the Jewish people for centuries that the Messiah would come, that they would find the redemption that God had promised through the prophets, that they had heard over many centuries. It was something beyond their wildest imagination. I mean, this is like the prayer that you have prayed forever, the prayer, the deepest longing of your heart that you've been praying for, not... <clears throat> Not for some gift under the tree, but this is something that you've been praying for that, that, that makes your heart ache, that you long for, that you desire, something that is greater than, than what money could buy. And, and it's when you are praying and praying and praying, um, it, it is something that, that's answered. And so it's beyond their wildest imagination. It was good news of great joy. It, it was something absolutely amazing. The redemption and restoration of man was about to unfold in their generation. In their generation, God 
had come. The Messiah had come, the promised anointed one that the prophets had wrote wrote of for centuries and told them of, and they had talked about. He was finally coming. It's about to unfold in their generation. It would be like if at this moment the clouds cracked and Jesus came back. That's how big that was. We talk about the advent of Christ, the first advent. We talk today and we look to the second advent. And if we're honest with ourselves, when we think about the second coming of Christ, we think it probably won't happen in our lives. We've been praying, we have, Christians have been praying for two millennia for the coming of Christ, for the second coming of Christ. And, and we wonder, so just as those people have been praying for 400 years, and just as people have been praying for 2,000 years for Jesus to return, this is something that generationally was beyond imagination. I mean, we talk about you know, the pandemic, you know, this is the pandemic of 100 years. Um, you know, 1918, the Spanish flu, now we're coming in a coronavirus. And, and you come in and, and you compare the events and you can go back and, and look over and you realize these are generational events. These are not events that happen all the time. And, and you know, that was kind of at the first, I thought, well, you know, this is my first pandemic and most likely will be my last. Um, not, but, you know, not because I'm thinking I'm going to die in it, but because I think, you know, about every 100 years, one of these things comes. And, and, you, and you come and you, and you look at that. This is this, is, this, this makes everything that we have going on in our world today pale. It, it, it really is huge. It's, it's off the charts. And, and this should bring us great joy today. The coming of Christ should bring us great news because it is good news. In the, in the middle of everything that's going on, it's a reminder that Jesus is, uh, <clears throat> is good news of great joy. He is the hope of the nations. And Christmas time is a, a time of good news and great joy because God has entered into our broken world and he's entered into our messed up lives he's entered into our our world our culture and everything that goes on and it's a joy that cannot be taken away from us it's it's good news and great joy and, and it's that also because it can't be taken away in John 15:11 Jesus said these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. 33 years later, here's how Jesus, as he is going uh, to the cross, he's, he's literally heading there that evening he will be betrayed. And he says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. It goes back to the proclamation of the angel. Good news, great joy. Jesus is that joy. In John 16, 22, Jesus says, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. It's a joy that cannot be taken away. This is a joy that comes from God. It fills us and it cannot be removed from us. John Piper put it like this. He said, the joy that Jesus came to bring is from, this, is from outside this world. It is the very joy that Jesus himself has in God the Father, which he has had from all eternity and will have forever. There is no greater joy than the joy that God has in God. Because God is the greatest object of joy and God has the greatest powers to enjoy. You see, it's because the love of God endures forever and God has brought this to us. His love for us in Christ was made known in the incarnation. When God became a man, it became crystal clear that God 
loves us. He cares about us. Um, we sing songs about it, and, and at Christmas time, the, the Christmas carol, you know, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, uh, it, it uh, maybe one of the best sermons ever written. Um, Charles Wesley wrote it in the 1800s, and, and it says in, in one line in there, it says, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. We don't talk like that in, in the year 2020. In the year 1800, it said God has clothed himself in humanity. God has become a man. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Worship God. Hail him. Pleased is man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Um, he just says God was pleased to be a man. He was pleased to become one of us. He chose to become one of us, to dwell with us, to be there. Jesus is God with us, our Emmanuel. You see, God came down to us. Um, he, he, he goes on the next verse in that song, Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. We rattle that off. You hear it in the mall or wherever when you come in and, and, and the words just go on in a world that has no idea of the language of the 19th century, nor do they understand the theology of the incarnation, the truth that God became one of us and, and he came and he was born so that we would not die and he came to give us second birth his birth enables us to be born again. And, and God came down to us born in the poorest of conditions to redeem us regardless of our condition. You see, the angel, he appeared to the lowly shepherds, those considered unclean, untrustworthy. You couldn't trust a shepherd. Hold on to your wallet if one's around. Don't come around one of them. They're dirty. You don't want them being in your presence. They're who knows? You know, they're, they're, they're just the, the scum of the earth. That's, that's who they were in, in the eyes of society. And it's good news of great joy. Um, it's interesting. This is where God chose to come. It's the message that, that our world needs to hear. It's the message of, of redemption. It's the message of God's love for all people, regardless of how you're viewed. So as, as we come in and we come into the, the season, I, I encourage you, crank up those old Christmas carols. Crank up those old songs that, that go back 100 years or 150 years or, or whatever. And they talk about the things that matter. Who cares if grandma got run over by reindeer? That's stupid. That's just dumb. It's funny. It makes you laugh. Okay, have fun. Listen to it. But don't fix yourself a full-on diet of jingle bells and grandma got run over by reindeer or or whatever, and, and quit focusing on the, the stupid stuff of Christmas. I mean, it's fun and whatever, but focus on the meaning of Christmas and, and what it is. It's God becoming a man. And, and so this is the season to reflect on the extravagance of God's love, not on what's going on everywhere in our culture. And that's what good news of great joy is all about. When the angel says, fear not. For behold, listen up, I bring you good news of great joy. And that's what Christmas is. It is a time of good news and great joy. And it's also a time of seeking Jesus. Christmas is a time of seeking Jesus. You see, the good news compelled them to seek 
Jesus, as they heard about the incarnation, as they heard about God becoming a man, as they heard this story in this angel, and, and as they probably fell down in a puddle in the mud that evening in, as they were out in their fields because the angel of the Lord has appeared to them, the angel of God, and, and, and he is a fierce, mighty, scary creature of awesome might and power with a sword of flame and, and fire coming out and, and the glory and everything that, that's there as we read in the scriptures. Um, the glory of God has shone down on them. They have realized we have experienced the glory of God and, and this was normally only associated with the temple. Think about this for a minute. For centuries, for centuries, for Three, for 30 centuries, for 3,000 years, for some, some, no, for 1,500 years, something like that, 1,200 years, they have fully associated the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, where once a year a guy would go in and he would offer up on the Day of Atonement sins to make atonement for the un, unintentional sins of the people. The priest would go in, he would sprinkle blood on the altar and do that. You can read about it in Leviticus chapter 16. But, but for centuries this has gone on in Jerusalem and the glory of God was in the temple of Jerusalem and now God's glory is shining out on the farm. I mean, it's not in Jerusalem. It's not in the church. It's not in the holy place. It is out in the dirtiest place in town. He's gone out into the barnyard and, and into the mess of it all. And that is where the glory of God appears. You see, this is a life-changing event for them as, as they come in. And I mean, think about it. If, if we had the angel of God appear in the room today, I think we would all be changed forever. And this is what happens. And so they are changed and they were given a sign that the Messiah would be found in a feed trough. You know, we talk about that. Oh, he's lying in a manger. In a manger, cute. No, a manger is nasty and dirty and ugly. It's where animals eat. It's like the dog food dish that hasn't been licked clean. It's not a pretty sight. And that's where they say, he's, the angel says, by the way, God is wrapped in rags, and he's laying in a feed trough. Go check it out. That's God Almighty in the lowly conditions of humanity. That's, that's the sign that was given to them. You will, there's a sign. And then as a second sign, there was a host of angels joining the angel and praising God. So now, not only do you have one angel, you have a multitude of angels praising God here in this, over this field. It says in Luke 2, 15 and 16, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, think about it. The conversation on the way as they are heading in to Bethlehem to go. Can you imagine the shepherds chatting, chatting with one another if they could even speak? 
I mean, they're thinking, can you believe this? This is crazy. It's nuts. I mean, have you ever? I know I've never seen anything in my life. Are we still alive? Are my clothes on? What's going on? You know, I mean, where, do I still have hair on my head? Is it white? Is it black? Or, you know, whatever. Did I grow hair? Um, how, how did it look? You know, what, what, what was going to happen? You see, during this season, we seek after the Savior who chose to come into our brokenness and redeem us. That's what we're choosing to do. And they've been waiting to hear from God for 400 years from the time of Malachi and to the time of the Gospels and in the time of the New Testament, there's 400 years of silence. For 400 years, God has been quiet. They have not heard the prophet. They have not heard the prophetic voice. All they have done is go into the temple day after day, week after week, year after year, do the sacrifices, do the things, and and a lot of it had become ritual to them. And, And then they have times of highs and lows. And now, they have responded. When it happened, they respond when, when God does this. So it may seem like God is far away, but He's working while we're waiting for Him to do something beyond our imagination. God is working, and, and He is there to, to do something while we are waiting. Um, and, and it's just an interesting thing, but, but sometimes when we think about it and, and when we look, you know, we read these stories and we read just a, a, just a few words. I mean, there's probably a hundred words in what we read today, maybe even less as, as we come in because I have it on 18 point font so I can see it without glasses on, and it fits on one sheet, you know, and it's spaced wide and it's still a little bit blurry. That's kind of scares me. It just gets worse every year, but, but it comes in and, and, and you look at that and we read these stories and we wonder what was happening in those 400 years. Um, we, we watch this show called The Chosen. Really, Trish watches it more than that. She loves this show. I mean, and, and their DVDs are, and I'm just telling you, she would tell you, watch it and watch it three or four times because she loves it. And, and I've watched it as well. And, and something that I thought about when I was reading this, it stuck out um, in, in the show. And this is taking a lot of artistic license. You don't read this in the Bible. And it's just somebody, you know, the guy that wrote the story to make it into a, 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 a video series. Um, so, you know, I wonder what Peter was thinking. And so Peter, he's out and he's trying to get money to pay his taxes and he's fishing all night. And, and he's just finally, he's just railing at God. Where are you? What's happened? You promised we haven't heard you forever. And on and on and on and on. And then he comes in defeated. And, and then, you know, Jesus is speaking and tells him to throw the nets on the other side. And he does. And the boat sinks and all this stuff. And, you know, this, the, 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 the Jesus teaching on the shore and, and, and the Boat sinking, that's all in the Bible. The rest of it, you know, it's like, wonder what happened during all that. And, and so they got this thing going on, and, and you come in and you go, and, and, and you know, it stuck out to me. I go, you know, I never really thought about that. But, but I wonder how, how did Peter feel? I mean, how, how was it? Um, I, I read yesterday, I started off into the book of Hosea, a great Christmas message, and, and I came into Hosea, and if you don't know about Hosea, you should read it. But in the first two sentences, there, it is loaded. I mean, flat out loaded. I mean, I'm thinking Hosea. Hosea, I mean, the thing that goes through my mind, you know, Hosea, oh my gosh, you know. Um, I've read this a zillion times, but um, I think maybe Hosea, you know, to compare him, he's like a seminary student, you know. He's like, he's a preacher boy. He's getting ready to go into ministry, and he's thinking about the dreams and the hopes, you know. What, what's my wife going to be like? And all of a sudden, God says, uh, go marry Gomer. <laughs> it's kind of like, who, what? 
And uh, no, 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 I think I had a bad burrito last night. You know, um, what, what's going on? And, and, and it's just crazy. And I'll tell you the best I've ever heard on that is a guy named E.K. Bailey. He's gone now, but he's a pastor. You can, you can Google it, E.K. Bailey. Uh, my name is Hosea. It is worth the listen. I've listened to it multiple times. I love it. It is one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my life. And, and he just makes Hosea come to life. He takes this story and it's the same thing. You see, because what happens is sometimes we read a few words and we come in there and we miss what was going on. What happened with these guys and what was going on? And God is working. He's working in our lives as we have these big gaps and you have these big gaps of time in the Bible and we look at it from a historical perspective. But, but you know, sometimes we, we have to realize our lives are in a gap. And we're wondering what's going on. And we think, you know, what is God doing? What's happening here? Where is he? What's, what's happened in my life? Has he forgotten me? Am I just here to struggle on? Did God just walk away? What happened? And no. In, in John 5, 17, Jesus said, my father is working until now and I am working. My father is always working and I'm always working. God is always at work. And, and when we think he's not, and in our hurt and in our pain and in our questions and everything else, we have to understand that God is working and moving and working in our lives. And so as you come in to the season, how are you seeking Jesus? How are you seeking after him? What is happening in you that is drawing you to him? And, and when he is far away, how do you remind yourself that God is at work. God is at work. He's not forgotten you. He's not forgotten us. He's not forgotten our pain, our hurt, our sorrow, our lack. He's not forgotten any of it. He is working and He promises that He will never leave us, that His joy cannot be removed from us and that He is working in our lives. I think Spurgeon said it this way. He said, you know what? I know that when I can't see the heart of God or I can't trace the hand of God, when I can't trace the hand of God, I can trust His heart. I can still trust His heart. When I can't see it with my eyes, I can't see what's going on, I can still trust the heart of God. And this was a man who suffered tremendously. He was one of the greatest preachers ever, but he, his life was a life of suffering. And, and he went through some deep, dark valleys. So, so you come through and you look. It's about seeking Jesus. And then the next thing, Christmas is about sharing Jesus. It's not just about great, good news of great joy or seeking Jesus, but it's also about sharing Jesus. The shepherds shared everything they experienced with anyone who would listen. They shared everything that they'd experienced with any single person who came along who would listen to them. If you would hear it, they would tell it. In Luke 2, 17 and 18, it says, and when they saw it, when the shepherds saw it, they made known the saying that had been, <clears throat> they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. They, they made it known. In other words, they were telling people left and right. Now imagine if somebody came in today and said, hey, guess what? I, Jesus came back. First of all, you go, no, I don't think so. Because that would mean that I didn't get, I, I'm not one. 
And, and you know, you'd kind of come in and go, neither are you, and we should be worried about that. Uh, no, you'd say, no, you're a nutcase. Um, but, but anyway, they came in and they said, you know what? We saw angels in the field, and, and, and they were telling people about this. And, and they, everybody who heard it wondered, you know, what, what's going on? What's happening? And because these guys were so blown away by it all as they shared. In 1 Timothy 3.16, it says, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh. He was made known in the flesh. He was shown in the flesh. Vindicated by the Spirit. He was shown to be right by the Holy Spirit. Proven to be right. Seen by the angels. Proclaimed among the nations. Believed on in the world. Taken up in glory. That, that's the story. There's the story of God. There's the story of the incarnation. And they couldn't keep it to themselves. They could not... Hold this in. They had to share it. God became a man to redeem and to restore all who turned to Him. That's beyond comprehension. I mean, that's beyond comprehension for us today. Even though we have centuries, we have, we have a, a faith that's been passed down through the generations. We have a faith that is recorded in, in the perfect Word of God that we can trust that is true and real and alive and active and changes our lives and moves within us. It, it, it's this amazing story. And, and God became a man to redeem and to restore all who turn to Him. You see, it's just beyond our comprehension. Think about the great things that God has done. Think about it. Just think about the amazing things that God has done. I mean, think about this for a minute. God, robed in all of His majesty, in all of His majesty, entered this world naked. Born to a peasant. He chose, he chose a peasant, a teenage peasant, who was not even yet married, to be his mother. He chose that. That was the scandal. That was the scandal in the Roman world. You see, the gods don't do that. The gods don't come down to the people. And if they do, it's only for their pleasure or to punish them. But the God of all creation became one of us. And he came for all of us. And it is a story to share you see, lives were changed forever because God came and He made it possible. And, and we're offered eternal life and freedom from bondage to sin. And, and as we come in and, and we look at that story and as we look at this season and as we look at everything that we do and, and, and we come in there, um, we have to remember this is the story. This is what it is. This is, this is the thing. I, I read a, a, a short article. It's called uh, Gift Wrapping Christmas. And, and I would say basically what it says is it's taking the story of Christmas. It's taking the story of the incarnation and tried to wrap it up and make it pretty instead of showing it as what it is. And we have made Jesus into some cute little baby in a cute little 
thing in a, in a cute little scene with cute little parents. Instead of seeing it as God coming down into the brokenness of our world and why and what he did for that. You see, we have been offered eternal life and, and we come in and, and look, how are we going to share this message of Christmas with our world? How are we going to intentionally take everything that we've got going on and, and culturally and look at it and leverage that and look at it and say, you know what? I want to share with you what, what's really wrapped up here. This is God. And God has wrapped himself in flesh in the dirtiest, darkest, and vilest things of this world. And he tasted and experienced it all when he went to the cross and lived through it for all those years. And then he, he, he then, as the climax of it all, not only was he clothed in flesh like we were, but then he was clothed in our sin so that we could be robed in his majesty and his righteousness. That's the story. That's, so how, how do we do that? And, and, and then so we come in and we look. Christmas is a time of good news and great joy. It's, <clears throat> it's a time of seeking God. It's a time of sharing <clears throat> Christ. And it's also a time of worshiping God. It's a time to worship God. You see, the encounter they had with the angels and the child, it, it changed them as we come into the story. They left glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. This, this was not a common event. This was when they came in and they saw something amazing. Look, we, we've had some amazing things happen in our church. And, and one, since it's Christmas time, I'll throw the one that comes right off the top of my head. The first time we did Bethlehem here, and we had like 4,000 people coming. I thought if we had 400, it'd be great. You know, it, it was like, wow. Wow. And we still talk about it. And as a matter of fact, even the, you know, this, that's kind of what our church is. is um, you know, you tell, oh, we're the church that does the nativity. Oh, that's where you go. Yeah, I know where that is. Um, that's, that's how people in town, people who don't go to church, that's how they know us. And it is moving and building that bridge from not knowing us to an event that takes us over here to share the message of God in the flesh. That's what this story is about. That's what it's all about. And it's about the redemption and restoration that God has. And they left glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. This wasn't a common event. This was an encounter with God. And that's what happens when we see things like that. We know that we have encountered the glory of God. We have encountered the greatness of God. God has done something beyond what we could even ask or think. He's done something amazing. And the only thing that we can do when that happens is to fall on our faces before a holy and righteous God and praise Him and worship Him and glorify Him. It says in verse 20, And the shepherds returned. They went back to their fields, but they were never the same. They never thought of themselves the same. They never thought of God the same. Their world was changed because they had encountered the living Christ. They returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. As it had been told them. 
You see, God has made promises to us, and his promises are good. And just as God promised that he would come as the Messiah, he promises that Jesus will come again. It's good as gold. It'll happen. He promises to be with us. He promises to never leave us. He promises to never forsake us. He promises us that we'll have highs and lows. He promises us that in the midst of it all, that he is always there and that he is the God who never leaves and he is the God whose joy cannot be removed from us and our hope cannot be taken away from us. And the common response to being in the presence of God or seeing God at work is is the same thing as what these shepherds did, and that's to worship Him. And we go back to those events at the hard times, and we understand, you know what? I know God is real. I know God is here. I may not feel Him right now, but I know He's there. In Acts 3, 8 through 10, um, there's a story of of the the lame man at, at the temple gate, beautiful. And he comes up to Peter and John, and he said, you know, he's he's shaking the cup. I I just need some money. I can't buy groceries. I can't work. I'm stuck here. This is all I can do. And that's how people lived. If they had infirmities in that day, they would live, and and, and people would give to them so that they could buy food. And and um, Peter and John, Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold, I don't have, but what I do have is Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. You think that guy was quiet? Never walked before. Never walked. It would be like if we had somebody in our worship service who had been paralyzed forever, and all of a sudden, they jumped up and started to leap. We would know something was up. We would know that the hand of God had been here and we would see that. And it says, And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the temple, at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms, begging. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Boy, that's an understatement, right? They were filled with amazement. I mean, if you're in that deal, you go, yeah, everybody was filled with amazement. Let, yeah, let's go on out and get a Coke. No, you wouldn't be able to shut up. I mean, it's just this thing. You see, these are amazing events, and, and it's easy to see the response, but, but God's doing things every day. He's doing things every single day in our lives and and this month we get to see how the incarnation has impacted our world and how it's impacted our culture look nearly everybody nearly everyone will celebrate christmas there'll be people celebrating christmas who don't even believe there's a god there are going to be people celebrating christmas who worship a different god than we worship um, and, and there will be everything in between. And, and we can see pretty easily as we look around how people have turned from the miracle of the season to the mundane of our never-satisfied culture. Never enough. More, more, more. A few days later, we've forgotten everything that's happened and we're just trying to fill the void. Yet, we still have Christmas every year. 
Even though people move away from God, God's not changed. Even if our culture doesn't celebrate the incarnation that God became a man, we're still going to have this holiday. You know why? Because you can't erase what God did. You can't take it away. This is there, and it's for the ages. And as we come in and we celebrate, there are people celebrating all kinds of things. But coming back to the message of Christmas, and the message of Christmas is really simple. It comes back to us seeing the things that God has done. And it is us, a time of great joy, a time of seeking Jesus, a time of sharing Jesus, a time of worshiping Jesus for what he has done. And that is what it's about. So as we come in and we celebrate this season, I want to encourage you to look. You know what? How are you going to focus your attention for the next few weeks on the incarnation? Not on the decorations, but on the incarnation. Not on the, the hustle and the bustle or whatever it is, which, you know, Trish and I were talking about that yesterday. It's kind of nice in a small town because there's really not a lot of hustle and bustle. Um, it's not like we were in Dallas where we wouldn't go anywhere. Um, or Fort Worth, we go down there. If we're there this time of year, it's like, yeah, we're staying away from anything. But we can go anywhere. We can go to the coffee shop. We can go to the store. We can go, you know, and, and it might be a little more crowded than usual, but it's not bad. But how are we going to focus on the miracle of the incarnation as we celebrate Christmas this season? I encourage you, listen to those Christmas carols that talk about Jesus, God in the flesh. The greatness of God. The God who has come for us. The God who will return. Those readings of Scripture. Download a a good devotional that goes through with Advent or something along those lines that, that talks about the coming. The coming of Christ. And prepares us as He encounters us and we encounter him because that's the hope and that's the message of Christmas. It's good news and it's great joy. And it is always going to be good news and great joy regardless of what's going on around us. Let's pray. Father, we praise you today for the amazing blessings that you've given to us. Father, we praise you that we can be here today to worship you. Father, we praise you that... um, in a time of uncertainty in our world, that we have certainty in you. Father, that we can worship together here in a room and also with those that we know and love who are in their homes as they watch and listen. And Father, we long for the time that we can be back together again and we can move forward to the next thing that you want to do. But Father, as, as we do and we stop, we praise you that, that during this time, you've used it 
to prepare us for more things, for more opportunities to share the gospel, for more people to hear the message of your word. And Father, that you have given us the abilities to do that. Father, we pray over the next few weeks that you'd help us to be ever aware of the truth of Christmas. That it is about God becoming a man. You became one of us. You came for a specific purpose. And that was to pay the penalty for our sin. To show us how to live. To reveal your glory to us and, and the greatness of your love. So that we could experience your grace and mercy. And turn to you and experience life. Father, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.